This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Like, I have my two favorite t-shirts. What yeah. more do I need? And turn yeah. it inside out when it's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Backwards, frontwards. I do that with all my clothes except for my pants. <laughs> <laughs> You're like zipping it up your back. And, and, and socks. Socks are another thing that it's one time use. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. Today we're doing another live podcast. We've met some friends at the RV park or the Campo, as you would call them here in Baja, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been traveling through Baja for now a few weeks, uh, almost almost a month now, I feel like. It's been like three weeks, yeah. and we've met nothing but incredible people along our path, and now we've met some really amazing, incredible people in Greg and Alyssa, and we have an opportunity to talk to them about their travels and how they met and all the good things. We're going to get rolling right into it. It's amazing how people figure it out, how to live the life on the road, how to live a life that they want. And these are two shining examples of that. So let's take it back to the beginning, because you guys have been nomadic for a fairly long time, not necessarily in a van or whatever. But do you want to maybe, like, you know, take us back to your origination story of, like, what you were doing before you got into, you know, being more nomadic and then how that transition kind of all happened for you. Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess we've been on the road with about oh, a little over four years now. Is that right? Mm hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, before that, we were uh, working in public schools, which is about as least nomadic as you can get. Um, and uh, you, yeah, take you really need to be someplace to be in a, in a school. Um, and we had been doing that for many years, but I'll just say as a caveat to that was in our first or second year of knowing each other, we traveled and lived in Mexico and studied Spanish. For about and six months. For about six months. And we loved it. And... <laughs> naively in that idea of like, ooh, we'll have summers off. And so we'll be able to travel. So like, this is a great job. This is a good fit for us. We're going to be able to work in the public schools and then we'll have our summer times. But the honest which, truth... Which we did take advantage of. We we base, I, I remember co-workers telling me, wow, you go on a vacation every school break. And I'm looking back and I'm like, you don't? Right? Yeah. Uh, That's like, that what they're for. That's <laughs> what I thought. But many, you know, teach their own in that. In that sense. Yeah. And so there was this, like, balance. There was also this five-year plan, like, when we're done with this, then we'll apply to international schools, then we'll live abroad. Um, and that just kept kind of scooting its way out further and further, like, oh, but I need to get, like, these m more credits so that I can get paid this amount. And it kind of just stretched out for Three a while. Three years became five years, became 10 years, and became about 15 years oh, of... wow. Almost that of just not doing what we had thought we needed to do with our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as happens oftentimes, you know, I, we needed a wake up call and ours came in the form of illness, mm -hmm. which is always, I feel like the body's way of saying like, this is not good. We need to do something else. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma 
and um, needed to go through treatment for that. And I am grateful and lucky that I am five plus years out from being cancer free. And, you know, at that time, I really thought, you know, if this is the end for me or this is the the last year of my life, like, what are the regrets I have? And it really was, I wish that we had like spent every day doing things that we really love and that make us feel alive. And so there, there was something uh, someone said in one of Alyssa's uh, support groups uh, of other cancer patients. Uh, other young adult cancer yeah, patients. Yeah, young adult cancer patients. And it was uh, something about uh, cancer doesn't make the, or disease or tragedy doesn't make the clock tick faster, but it makes it click uh, tick louder. Mm. And yeah, I love we, that. That's... You know, we really yeah. hear that clock ticking and it kind of reminds you can't make more time and you have no idea how much you have. Mm-hmm. And I think the very moment we knew uh, everything was hitting the fan, but we didn't know what how serious it was yet, Alyssa and I looked at each other and was like, when this is over, no matter what, we are going to, we'd always wanted to go to the island of Corfu in Greece. So we said, all right, we're going to go. Because back in that very first travel time, we read this travel log, um, My Family and Other Animals, which I don't know if you guys know it. No, No. (laughs) I'm interested. It's a a great old travel log. um, When does it take place? uh, The the late 1930s. It's um, It's from a little. It's this. It was written uh, by an adult uh, reflecting on when he was a a boy traveling with or going to live abroad with his family. Uh, they were from England in Greece and just having no idea what to do. And it's a fun little travel read and um, also look into uh, the ecology from a child's point of view. But it, that really was one of the many things that stoked our wanderlust. And we really wanted to get there. And, and it, it was one been... of those, oh, we'll go someday. Mm-hmm. Find someday on the calendar. Mm-hmm. There's no someday. Yeah. So someday it, never happens unless you plan. Yes. Someday. Exactly. That someday a reality. Yeah. So... Yep. I guess, yeah. I find it, like, amazing that when you were talking about that saying uh, about how it makes the clock tick louder, right? We all have that clock, and this is, like, the example of it is we all have that clock, but we don't hear it because we get caught up in what everybody else wants or what society wants, and, you know, you forget that your your timer is ticking. You know, we all face this inevitability of, of death, you know, and we have to understand that our life is for us to live each one of us you know and it's amazing that as as crazy as it is something so unfortunate could be what gets you going gets you moving gets you actually living your life finally so it was almost a blessing in a sense right yes and i remember somebody kind of when i was first getting done with my treatment and recovering um a woman came up to me at a wedding um greg's sister got married and she was an aunt and so she knew what had happened for me and she said it may not seem like a blessing now but I have to tell you like having breast cancer she had breast cancer having breast cancer was strangely one of the biggest blessings of my life and right now you know you're still fresh from recovering and I I looked at her I was like no I already feel it like I in this moment I already do know what you're saying but being now many years out I feel it even more that I'm like thank goodness in its own strange way that I like I I needed that wake up call strangely and I 
my like wish in the world is that fewer people need that extreme of a wake up mm-hmm. call to mm-hmm. just give themselves permission to do whatever it is that you really deeply want to do instead of waiting because nobody, I mean, my sense is like, nobody's going to give, nobody would have given us permission to be like, how about you quit everything, sell everything you own, and like, just go travel and see if it works out. If like, anything, you get the opposite. Everybody y- thinks you're crazy, yes. and they're like, yeah. no, what are you going to do you for money? You have a good job, you have a pension, yeah. like, how can you leave the kids at school? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we had, um, I remember, you know, we were living in a condo in, in the Boston area, and one of the guys just looked at us and he was like, what you're doing sounds absolutely terrifying. I mean, it was very honest. Yeah. Instead of the like, why, why, why? He just was like, it's terrifying. And I would never do it. It yeah. would be too scary for me I to would. not ha- know like what the next step is or what's going to happen. I just wouldn't. Hmm. And I guess you know, what we realized from the whole experience is we can all think what the next step is, but never. You, you never know. Uh, you know, try, uh, the things we, we worry about are not the things that happen. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we could spend our whole life worrying about uh, about things that never come to pass and as a result, never do the things we wanted to do. We, we, we weren't worried about getting cancer at 30, but yeah. it happened. And that puts so much into perspective. I love the fact that you say we, right? Because she's your partner. You know, the person that you love and you care about. And the fact that when she got cancer... You felt like you had it, right? Well, not no, that I had it, no, but no, I was. But, it, but you were you there for her. The experience, like yeah. the the vulnerability that you now have to what she experienced, is it's a, it's. It was life changing for you life-changing. as well. Yeah, very much. Yeah, and I think that's um, you know we heard from many people. This is one of the things I went to. You know, the Dana Farber Cancer Institute. So there's a lot of people going through different treatments, a lot of different experiences, um, which really keeps it in perspective as well. Of just the that everybody has their own way of dealing and their own struggles and their own way of making meaning of that experience. Um, but one of the things is that you hear people who are like, I'm very disconnected from the people I care about or me and my partner can't get along. And I think part of it is whether or not you're willing to open up to be like, this is hard and this is painful and I'm in it. Or like, I want to stay where I was previously. And I feel like we couldn't have connected the way that we did if Greg had been like, I like we already made our plan and it's 10 years down the road and just like get back on the track with me. I would have been like, I can't do that, you know, and instead and people would marvel, which I find so fascinating. (laughs) The one I would say, like, I'm moving, I'm leaving, I'm selling everything like this is my choice. And they'd be like, but aren't you married? Like, what are you going to do with your husband? And I was like, well, he's I'm raising my hand right now. I'm like, I'm coming too. (laughs) He's coming with me. And they're like, the car. (laughs) They're like, really? Like, he just said yes. And I was like, yeah, I looked at him like up in the mountains of Vermont kind of right before the next school year started because he was still teaching full-time I had decided not to go back to my job full-time but I was teaching part-time at another school and I just said I think this is our last year here like let's get ready let's sell our place let's sell everything we own and like next year at this end of the summer we're gonna be out on the road Mm -hmm. yeah so we gave ourselves a whole year to get everything in order so maybe it's this odd balance between Maybe it looked impulsive, but at the same time, this was the culmination of delayed plans. Plans have been delayed for for over a decade. Mm -hmm. So I can understand people looking in on the outside. Oh, they're just 
selling everything, wandering the world. And I'm like, no, we, we've thought about this. Uh, we have met people on the road that just said, in a week I'm going. And But that wasn't us. We put a lot into it. Um, kind of got all our ducks in a row yeah. uh, beforehand. Um, we, but, we did exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like a year previous, we kind of set a plan. We set a budget. Out, set a budget, mm -hmm. figured out what we mm -hmm. needed to get rid of, sell all the things that we had. Mm -hmm. Like you said, people found it impulsive, right? But realistically, it was very calculated. Well, and they see the end of it as well. Yes. So like the last it. couple of months or weeks or whatever, where it's like, you know, everything's coming together. And it those last couple of weeks are a little bit hectic and feel crazy yeah. and like you're getting rid of the last of the things and you're you know leaving your home and all this stuff so it's like very chaotic at the end and that's the part that when people say that's too scary for me that's what they're looking at and oh it was scary oh yeah well, i'm sure you yeah. probably felt the same <laughs> i remember one moment like after everything was gone and uh we'd already moved out but we hadn't quite left the country yet i remember sitting down like what the hell are we doing? <laughs> but, you know, we'd crossed our Rubicon, and thankfully so, because uh, a few days later, we were on uh, one-way ticket flights to uh, Oaxaca, Mexico. It's amazing. Yeah. Which is where it all began those many years ago, and we studied Spanish and traveled, and we're like, we love this, we want to do this more. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would even say that feeling of it being overwhelming probably even goes into about the next month of that beginning of your travel, too. Mm -hmm. It goes into this, like... This stage of like now you're figuring everything out again. You're relearning, you know, what life is for you, you know, because you're so stuck in that normal nine to five and the normal society life that now unplugging from it is like and trying to plug into something different is just a whole new task. Yeah, yes, yes. very much so. Uh, and we made so many mistakes at first. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised we didn't give up right then. Well, but I, I would say there were two feelings in those first few months when we were out on the road. One, uh, I had a dear friend when she finished undergrad. I remember she was like, I'm okay right now because she said, like, I've been in school for since kindergarten to like the end of college. So I'm really good at school now. But remember how I was in kindergarten? She was like, now I'm in the kindergarten of life. So I'm right. going to just like have to start to learn and rebuild and like really figure it out. And that is okay. But in those first two months, I remember looking at Greg like two months into travel. This is like... I fell in our first week in Oaxaca and like seriously hurt myself. Oh no! Because <laughs> I was just like looking around and like yay and you gotta, wearing. Got to watch those cobblestones and cute shoes. Don't wear the cute <laughs> shoes. Like I had these like adorable like platform, very comfortable to walk in, but like not on cobblestone and just went down. So like that happened. My phone got stolen. Like all this stuff happened in those first two months, and I still looked at Greg and I was like, "What were we doing before this?" Like I just was like, "What was that life?" Mm -hmm. Because already I feel like more hopeful and more excited, even with all this stuff going on, than I have in a really long time. It's amazing. So I don't want to go back. Like, I already know I really don't want to go back to that. But what are we going to do to figure out how to make this sustainable and how to move forward? Because we're in, we may have done a lot of planning and selling of things before we left, but we really were like, we're just going to go for a year, like live on some savings and try and figure out what we're going to do so what were those next steps like what what was the the idea of like what you would do for work while traveling on the road while being able to live more nomadically and still be 
plugged into the situation that you wanted to be plugged into. If you're enjoying all the information that you're getting on this podcast, you're going to love our van life book. This book is going to take you from thinking and dreaming about van life to buying your rig, building it out, and everything that you need to know about being on the road, living van life full time. If you want to pick it up, it's available as a Kindle download on Amazon, and we would so appreciate your support. Well, because I think, too, it's a weird transition, again, going from I work a full-time job for 15 years, and every other Friday or whatever, I get a paycheck, and there's money in my account, whether I took a week vacation or not, and then for you, probably, it's like, you know, you take the summer off, and then it's, okay, okay, September's coming, time to, like, ramp back Mm -hmm. up for the school year, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, when August came and went... And you weren't ramping back up for the school year, and your paychecks weren't coming in. After like, a decade of doing it. You know, yeah. what was that kind of transition and feeling like? I feel like we're still somewhat on the school schedule. We notice we our big transition times are still kind of end of August, beginning of September. <laughs> that just might be old, old patterns still yeah. repeating. Yeah. Um, so it was still that first year, those, well, it wasn't back to school jitters, but it was what the hell are we doing now? We're going to head out on the road jitters. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. But yeah, we didn't have, um, we we went in just kind of hoping, looking for serendipity to find us Mm -hmm. and kind of found if you're open to it and don't close the doors, it will find you. And um, I managed to find uh, a few, a few jobs that when they add up are enough to, uh, to support a lot of this. Uh, some of it is in education. I do uh, some online tutoring as part of it. I also do some copywriting because... Why not? Yeah, why not? I, I know English. I can communicate with words. Yeah. Um, and uh, Alyssa, is, she's just such a great facilitator of people together. I, I should let you yes. talk about this. Uh, what I also want to say okay. is like, yes, open to whatever it is and fail. And yeah. also do things yes. and fail. Yes. Because I, I was really thinking back to the beginning, and at the beginning I was like, I'm gonna like travel around. I did. I played music like live in cafes. I like offered dance classes and spas and things. And like, not even that it was a failure, but I was just what I realized when we were working like and living in Central and South America was like the amount that people had to pay me abroad didn't make any sense. Plus, I can't legally work, so it's all, like, donation-based. Right. And I still do want to give those things when I'm traveling, but not for my income. So that was, like, a lesson I had to learn in that first year of, yeah, it's great to play in a cafe. And then there's this strange economic feeling when you're, like, this family is giving me this amount of money. To me, it's, like, a two fifty, right, that mm-hmm. I'm making for, like, the afternoon. And for them, it was, like, really meaningful to be able to give that amount. Right. So, like, this isn't feeling right to me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense for the way that I'm going to sustain this for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to play music live. I want to offer yoga classes, but that's something I want to do as something that I just want to give back to communities that I'm traveling through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that can and different people do different things and also if you're in a place if you want to be in a place with large like expat community or a large whatever community then maybe that works differently. But as we were moving around as much as we were, I was like, no, no, this isn't the way. So then I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and say, well, what am I going to do? Okay, um, I'm going to do some work for different, like we then would go back in the summers and do work. 
And so I would go back and teach dance classes and yoga classes back in the States and then bring that with me. Then I went on to work for like a theater company doing kind of um, like background tech writing work for them. So it's been this whole process. And finally, I was just saying to you guys before this, I had been one of the things I find really fascinating about the pandemic Even pre-pandemic, I had little communities online, people I was connected with in different ways. But post-pandemic, there's been this explosion of being able to be more connected with more people in different ways than ever before. And so as the pandemic started, I I started running these women's groups online. And as the pandemic started, I also started reaching out to other artists to be like, let's support each other through this time. And all these things just happened naturally because we were in lockdown abroad mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. And I was like, I know I need connection and I know other people need connection right now. Mm-hmm. And for me, it also was a, a rethinking of that time when I was diagnosed because it's when your whole life kind of flashes before you and all the plans you had go out the window and you just have to deal with what's right in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all these people all over the world are having that experience at the exact same time. Yeah. And I know this place. I've already been in this place and felt alone in it. And I want to help support people who don't have to be alone in it. So that was like, just the inner impulse came for me to be like, I'm going to start building these groups. I'm going to start doing these things. Meanwhile, I was teaching English online. Like there were these, all these little things happening in the background, but it was just, I know this is what I want to be doing. This is what I want to be giving. And um, then I ended up working with a woman, Sierra Melker, who's really wonderful, who runs women's circles. And I was in her circles for a long time. And then she um, moved on to uh, an all women's publishing company. And she was like, here, you take the rest of this business. This needs to exist in the world, but I'm giving all my energy to this other place, which is so generous. And I'm really Mm -hmm. grateful for it. And so that then brought me into the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But it took time and it took me trying a lot of different things and being like, I still know this isn't right. And so often it's kind of, I don't know if it's crass, but it's like, I think like if I die tomorrow, am I going to be happy that this is what I was doing? And if Mm -hmm. the answer isn't yes, then like, it's okay. I need to let it go. Correct. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And I, you know, I think that's what the embodiment of this lifestyle really is for a lot of people is, Uh, they're truly happy they're finding their purpose they're finding what they love by you know joining a lifestyle like this it doesn't have to be this lifestyle it could be whatever it is that you desire Uh, you know that's the point is is that as long as you're following your heart and you're following your goals things will just fall in place you know you just have to be okay with the process of like you said of failing Mm -hmm. you know the people that fail the most are the people that are the most successful so don't be scared of failure Go, you know, go right at failure. If anything, that should be almost your target is to fail. A a failure represents an attempt. Yes. And without an attempt, you'll never succeed either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like what you said earlier about like opening the door to serendipity Mm -hmm. because through all these failures and attempts, you meet a person or you get connected with an idea or, you know, a new online group becomes or the pandemic happens or, you know, whatever. And so all of these little attempts and failures and tries kind of lead you to where you are today, which will probably be very different than where you are, you know, five years from now, if we have the same conversation. So, you know, as long as you're feeling successful and feeling like you're contributing to the world and doing good and you're happy with your, you know, work life, and it's allowing you to live your, you know, personal life the way that you want to live it. 
you know, does it matter that you, t you know, tick that corporate box that, you know, America or, you know, society says that, you know, you need to have these letters after your name or you need to like, you know, have this amount of salary to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say also that we kind of talked about this already, but, um, travel leads to flexibility, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that for me, it was working a muscle, getting out on the road meant working, working a muscle that had not been worked, which was living with the unknown, being okay with the unknown. And also like packing things up and going and packing things up and getting to know a new place. And, um, in doing that, I think I really built some other skills that have served me in so many ways. And it wasn't like, I'm going to do this now. It just is, it's the life that we live that then gives us these skills and abilities to be more flexible, flexible and to be more open mm -hmm. just generally just by living the way that we're living mm -hmm. and the way that you guys are living out in the world mm -hmm. where you're not attached to a place, you're not attached to a certain way of being. It's like always changing. Mm -hmm. But that is a skill in itself. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, and you've given yourself the ability to just be open to anything and everything. And that's why you have these successful paths because you could, you could literally see them when they're, when they're coming to light in that moment. You could see them and it's like... Before the fact of being open to those things, you were so blocked that you didn't even know that somebody was standing right in front of you that could change your life forever, you know? And you often uh, don't... There, there are so many unpredictable parts of that, too. Uh, you see them when they happen, but oftentimes when, when these opportunities come up that I didn't even know they existed uh, a week, a month, a year beforehand, but it's just that being open to really anything and also being okay saying no that's not for me and that that's also so much built on on experience and those failures we talked about yeah. you know you learn your own you learn not only your own limits but your own level of comfort and where that level of comfort might stretch beyond where you would have thought it had years ago mm -hmm. uh I mean, we live in you know such smaller spaces with so much, so many fewer things. Um, very few of which I miss. Yeah. Uh, when we were getting, when we were downsizing to a few suitcases, we, we've since moved up from a few suitcases. But when we started, it was uh, just just a couple bags. When we were downsizing, that I remember getting rid of, you know, just getting rid of things that a lot of them even had sentimental value, uh, but what they represent, it still exists. Yeah. I can still, uh, I feel like, you know, sentiment is something, you know, you can carry inside of you, uh, what, what, rather than getting bag, literally bogged down with, with, uh, with objects. Yeah. And, and that I can really only speak personally. I know, you know, that's not, that's not everyone's experience, but I didn't know that was how we'd feel ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Until you tried it. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this. You started with a couple of suitcases and a one-way ticket to Mexico. Yes. You know, four or five <laughs> years later, you know, where have you been in between? Uh, geographically. Um, so our first year of travel, we, uh, we traveled around Mexico, a lot of in Oaxaca. And we decided to start with Oaxaca because it was a place that was familiar to us. We have friends in Oaxaca. We, we kind of know the place we figured that wouldn't be jumping 
into the well, into the deep end, well, too deep. Uh, and then we, we traveled around some other parts of Mexico, which is just a country we love more every day that we're here. Uh, we went to uh, uh, Spanish language school again, just to kind of level up our Spanish, uh, which had gotten rusty without using it so much uh, in the intervening years. Uh, then we got a, uh, a work exchange in Costa Rica, which we were talking about this before we were recording. Uh, was, was a learning experience. Was a learning experience <laughs> indeed. And we realized it's great for a lot of people. It's not what we wanted. Um, yeah. uh, after that, we went uh, up to Nicaragua. We were in the lovely little town of Granada, uh, which is on the shores of Lake Nicaragua. We were there for a few months. And that was great until it wasn't. They, uh, we, were, we left uh, rather quickly once there was an armed uprising. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing your mothers warn you about is going to happen in these countries. And you say, no, it's lovely. And usually it is. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, we're all right. But that was a, a, a few scary days. And I have to say that was at that time. There's part of me that's like, why didn't we give up then? Like, <laughs> really? Like... I think, so after that, we went to Medellin, Colombia, because that's someplace we'd want to go for a while. But, like, I, I think I laid in bed for a week. Like, I was so, my nervous system was so exhausted after that, that I just was, like, I just was like, I don't want to see anyone, and I don't want to be around other people. I just want to stay under the covers, in my bed, literally, and, like, know that I am safe and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And, um... I'm just, anyways, there's a part of me that's like, I'm so glad we didn't give up then. Mm -hmm. Like, if it had been, like, it went really badly. But I needed to make, like, new and better memories. And then we needed to make new places that we were going to, like, leaving mm -hmm. at that moment in time would have been, I think, just detrimental to knowing, to knowing myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really, really grateful that right then, I mean, Greg sweetly let me stay in that bed. And was like, I'm going to bring you some food. I'm going to go get, you know, like so, so sweet. And yeah. then he was like, do you know what's around the corner from us here? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to explore the neighborhood and around the corner. And uh, there is a cat cafe. Now, if uh, anyone who knows Alyssa knows that she is um, an unashamed cat lady. Yes. Uh, yes. Without a cat. Yes. So because we, you know, we're going from place to place. It's and at the and time, you're still just with your backpack. Yeah, yeah, we're just with our backpacks. So we were like, okay. So that that's how I got her out that's of the hole. Yeah. <laughs> there are many cats around the corner. Yeah, I want to be your friend. I mean, isn't it set up so perfectly? Like, right. Like the world, like puts you in the universe, puts you in a place yeah. where you need to be. And you there's were... only one in town. So it happened to be literally two blocks, and you didn't have to go on any main streets. It was like in a back neighborhood that we happened to be in. So I just gently shout out to Lagat. Gatoria in Medellin, Colombia. Yeah, it's awesome. So La Gatoria. And so then I just kind of went back out. And actually, that's when I found my first women's circle was in Colombia, right when I needed it. That's right? right. So that's how it all happens. And um, then we had to go back. Well, we didn't have to, but we were going back to the United States to work. We were going back to the U.S. to go to weddings of friends and that type of thing. We were like, we're going back out again. So this time we know two things. Number one, <laughs> we want to be in Mexico. Like, where we, we know the culture in Mexico, 
it feels like we can predict kind of what's going to be happening and we're safe. So like, let's go back to Mexico. And two, we're going to rent apartments instead of trying to get a free place. And instead of like, we're going to, we're going to, you know, I'm going to find those ways to work back at home and make the money. Greg's going to like do what he's doing so that we can, even if it's the smallest, tiniest little thing, like it is our own little bit of space. Mm -hmm. That was the year things really started to kind of click into place for us. Uh, and I think I brought a big rolly suitcase yeah. that year. Like, it was like backpacks plus big rolly suitcase. Because I was like, I know we're going to have some space. And, I mean, I travel with ridiculous things. Like, a steel tongue drum. Yeah. And, like, a ukulele. <laughs> so, it's just like, that was taking up a ton way, of room uh, in my bag. <laughs> by the way, TSA is very curious of what this big metal object in the bag is. Every She's just, like, play. jamming at yeah. the airport And I'm security. like, don't worry about it. It's like, it's this beautiful... I'm like, do you want to see the instrument? Sometimes they're like, yeah. And other times they're like no lady it's fine just keep going i want to make sure so so we did that for a year but i knew i had known since probably four years previously that i really wanted to go to india because i wanted to go to india but also there was going to be a big international improv conference that i had gone to previously four years ago that was in montreal which is how we ended up in montreal and i knew they were planning another one an international conference in india so we had put that on the radar we had you know gotten our miles and points on yeah, our credit we, cards. We played the credit card game yeah. that we have with like a couple years lead up so we could, you know... Be able to afford the travel. Yeah, yeah which, exactly. Which going to India, once you're there it's very affordable yeah. but the getting there that isn't. So fortunately we were able to line it all up ahead of time for that. Yeah, and then we went back to straight up backpacking because it was like yeah. we're, we're just going to be backpacking. So we went to Taiwan. We stopped and figured if we're going to cross the planet, we might as well see some things on the way. So we stopped in Taiwan for a month. Wonderful. And rented an apartment there in uh, Taipei, which was absolutely Love incredible. Ta- and Taiwan. we had two people we yeah. knew from, both from our like previous life who are Taiwanese and live there now. So we met up with them. We were surprised also. that anyone would visit Taiwan. <laughs> I mean, everyone should visit Taiwan, but you know, people often, it's not on the, the big it's backpacker not sold route. out. Yeah, yeah which is, is a shame wonderful. because, I mean, I'd probably eat my weight in dumplings there and would happily do it again. <gasps> Everyone is so welcoming and friendly. I don't speak any of the languages there, but it didn't really matter because everything is... I'd say ty- my experience there was that it is the most intentionally designed place I've ever been. Wow. That, like, just like the way you file on to the, to the subway is just so planned out um so it, it's very easy place to travel mm. yeah we, found. we right. loved that we went and then we went there. straight from there to india which is also lovely but nothing is planned out as far as i could tell <laughs> it's chaos. It's, Just, it is yeah. it's got a good like chaos of beauty chaos of terribleness chaos of everything but like it's all happening at once and we so we went there um, we made it to the conference, but before that, we stayed with like a family friend. Then we went and I um, studied yoga with the teacher of my teacher. Then we like made our way to this huge conference. And after that, I knew I was going to be exhausted. So we planned some time at the beach in Thailand. And that was actually a vacation. <laughs> that you know, was our, yeah. I, I'm sure you get this too. People who think you're on vacation all the time, you're just not. because, yeah, no, you can still take vacations. And that was Thailand. That was, we got a hotel by the beach and, and it actually felt like a did vacation. It, yes. didn't do any work just you know drank coconuts and it's beautiful yeah. and slept and we're like okay we're good and so then we were like oh I, I looked at greg and i was like you know i think i'm ready i think i'm ready to be one place for a while like we've really been going for several years 
let's go back to Oaxaca and just spend six months, like get an apartment, know we're going to stay there for six months and stay for six months. And this was December, 2019. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really ready to slow down. <laughs> oh, well, so, you were just in line with the universal flow. So I was like, okay, so we get there. Um, I decided to do a training with the Global Sisterhood, which also does work with women who are doing circles. And I was like, when I get back, we're going to go down to Mazunte, to our favorite spot on the coast of Oaxaca. And when I get back, like, I'm opening up this women's circle. So I was advertising, and it was going to be my first one. The week that Boston shut down was the first week I ran a women's circle Whoa. with five women who had signed up for a Zoom online thing before the pandemic. They were so like, thank perfect. God I have this thing but on my calendar. Exactly. And it really was this time where like nobody was going on. It was like we met every week. We like, you know, connected with each other every week. And to be honest, it was both a lifesaver for me and for people who were in that group. So um, it was a major slowdown. We then like bought a lot of things that we never would have like a microwave, which sounds weird, but we were like, we want to be able to warm up food. <laughs> it just was like stuff we didn't think we wanted, but we started kind of building up in that space. Our visa was up. We had to make our way strangely. We took a flight from Oaxaca to Tijuana. We walked across the border, rented a car and drove <laughs> To my in-laws, her parents play yeah. us up. Uh, and uh, quarantined there. And we're like, okay, what our plan... Oh, this is hilarious, too. You'll like this. Our plan <laughs> was to get an RV because we were like, yeah, I think we do want to have like a place that's our own place that we can kind of call our own, move around in. And we almost bought one before we left in December 2019. Whoa. <laughs> we didn't buy it. And then we got back <laughs> in like pandemic times and we're like... Now we have to buy it at like the worst time. The highest everyone ever. wants it. Yeah. Well, we 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 managed to get a decent deal on one though. Just we really you were just constantly searching and like somebody you know someone you didn't your... someone didn't know what they had and I wasn't yep. gonna tell them. But right. also they were so sweet and so kind yeah. because it was far away from us and we were like, can we come see it? And they were like, I'm gonna hold this for you until you get here. That's amazing. Really nice. yeah. You know, and he could have just let it be a feeding frenzy and whoever mm. got there yeah. first. While, while we were looking at the RV, the guy's phone's blowing up with other people yeah. asking look at it. You're I'm, like, I guess we're gonna put a deposit in. Yes. And I think for some people too though, when they have the conversation with you and they know that you're interested and they could feel like the type of energy that you have and yeah. like, you know, it's not necessarily to everybody about the money. Yeah. It's more about the next person that's going to really enjoy their experience in that vehicle yeah. and like really love it and care for it because you know for us this is a part of us you know yeah. mm -hmm. same thing with our first van it was yeah. it was such a part of us that we wanted the right people to get it yes. you know what i mean we wanted the people that would that would live in it and like actually stay in it you know uh to enjoy it you know so we we were kind of at the same point in december where we were finishing up our build in december 2019 and hitting the road. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize everything was going to happen just like you guys, but like, it was just this chaotic thing. Yeah. Like I say, you know, you, you can't, you can't worry about things and expect them to happen because yeah. something else like a global pandemic yeah. might instead. Yeah. 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 I think our worries were more like in the beginning, like safety and whatnot, yeah. you know? And then as we're traveling, we realized that safety is not an issue, yeah. you know, realistically on the like 99.9% .9 of the time you're going to be safe, yeah. you know? There, there's, tell, tell that to our mothers. Well, yeah, I, I, good luck. Good luck. But yeah, it's, it's this, this, you know, the things that are unsafe are just unknown. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, traveling like this makes you, not that you want bad things to happen, but, like, sometimes 
unfortunate events occur. And, you know, maybe they happen more because you're in all these different new situations, different countries, different languages, different people. You're not like in your regular, I go to my job, I come home. I go to my job, I come home. But, you know, bad stuff happens there too. But I think it makes you that flexibility muscle that you have to work. And also the communication as a partnership. Because when shit hits the fan, you have to like immediately team up and be like, how are we going to tackle this? What is the next move? How do we get through this? You know, there's when you're, you know, crossing the border out of the country with like your knapsack on your back, you're not fighting about, you know, who left what where or, you know, like (laughs) whatever the case. You have to be able to come together and like find solutions and then decompress. Yep. You know, we're on a decompress right now. (laughs) You know, and for all the couples out there listening, it doesn't happen overnight. You gain yeah. that trust with each other over time. Like in the beginning, you have a lot more like little tiffs and like little things that yep. are that may be bothering you. But talking about those things and with an open heart and open mind, you know, with, take your emotions out of it, like your own personal emotions. Just try to pull those away a little bit <laughs> and and look at it logically. You know what I mean? Look at it like how do we help each other better next time? Mm-hmm. And, and it's always ongoing. Yeah. It's I, I don't think you ever get to a point where we say, all right, we're done. We've won the relationship game. <laughs> Never, Never going to argue again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. it's, 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 it's another muscle. But I will yeah. say you feel like you're getting closer to winning the relationship game every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Every time they like that little bit of whatever happens, the craziness happens, and then you realize, you know, the, he found the cat store around the corner for oh you. You know, that's like a win in yes. the relationship yes. battle, you know? And it, yeah. it's, it's the way of life, like, showing you that, by being there for the other person, allowing her to lay in that bed, allowed you to find the necessarily th- the necessary thing to get her out of the bed. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's big. And I do remember the first year being the hardest year and just kind of figuring it out. But I also think, I mean, you saw during the pandemic, like a lot of people getting divorces or like separating because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm with this person all the time and I don't actually like them. That That is a thing that you should <laughs> not have in your partner. Yes. And so it's like, you know, in a way that just sped things up probably that were already going to happen or inevitable. But I have to say like people sometimes are like, wow, you guys spend a lot of time together. And I'm like, yeah. And we had to figure out how that rhythm works and how much space we needed, which kind of brought us to where we ended up in our last place, which was like a larger home that we rented for six months in the winter that gave me like an office space and a place to meditate and a place to do my yoga. And Greg would go out and sit and watch birds like go by and do his copywriting, you know, like both of us found our little separate places and also then could come together and be really connected. So I felt like, you know, Maybe I didn't even know that that was a bit of an urge that we wanted in our relationship until it presented itself. But I was really grateful, like, as things kind of just find their ways to Mm -hmm. where they need to be, that we got a place to rent that was large enough for us to have, like, really separate time and then really together time intentionally. That was important. My question is, who is the drum and who is the ukulele? Oh, no, she's, it's all me. she's both. Oh, you're both. <laughs> all of it. It is all me. If anything, I'm her roadie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I carry them around. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, yeah. It's Respect. it's a bunch of di- And that was another thing. I guess also I had a vision. Kind of, I was like, I want a music corner. I want that space where like all my instruments are out and I can walk over and pick them up instead of always having them stored away someplace. Mm-hmm. I want... 
like, I just kind of started to have these visions of like, what is important and what little things do I want? And it meant having a bit more space. And we arrived in Mulehe on our way to Loretto, actually. I don't know if you guys will pass through, mm-hmm. but because we were kind of like, maybe Loretto is a good place for us to be. I don't know. It's like not a huge city, but it's got... Be- it, it ticked the boxes. It ticked the boxes. Mm-hmm. And so we got to Mulehe and I just, I, I lost my uncle to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the day we showed up to Mulehe. Wow. And I just was like... I don't think I want to keep moving right now. Like, I want to stay still. That's what is calling me. And we just put out a call, like, on a Facebook board, like, anybody got a place to rent? And this one came up that was, like, a beautiful... I really felt like it was a gift. Yeah. You know, like, it was, like... I don't know if it was a gift from him or... I was going to say, thank you, Uncle. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, like, who... Yeah, I'm just grateful. Like, I I knew in my body, like, I want to stop and I want to have space. I knew that very clearly. And I was saying to Greg what I wanted, and he was like... Hey, babe, like maybe that sounds really good, but we have to be able to afford the place, you know? And I was like, great. I'm just going to hold it in my head though, that these are the things I want. And, and this one was there, was there. And, and so I was like, okay, we're going to be here and wonderful landlord. So, um, and we were at the time we were in an RV. So at the time we were in our Toyota Dolphin and we were there and, and kind of, knew that we were going to be when we got the Toyota Dolphin we thought maybe we're going to live in it full time are you loving our podcast well we have a way for you to get one more a month by joining our Patreon community you get exclusive access to a one hour podcast ad free every single month that does a deep dive into what it's really like to live on the road depending on which tier you select you could even get free merchandise Check out the link below and join the Patreon community today. You also get access to tons of behind-the-scenes content from our YouTube channel, too. Now back to the podcast. And kind of after, I was like, no, I need my little corner and I need my space. And (laughs) we were like, maybe not, but I love being able to have this flexibility to go for multiple weeks and be out in nature. Mm -hmm. And, like, once we got used to that, I couldn't, we couldn't go back. So we decided to, we were going to go back again for the same to the same place for the first time in four years, two years in a row, and just be there in that space. And um, that meant we brought a lot more stuff <laughs> with us. Several ukuleles and drums. Yes. Uh-huh. Now multi- there's been stuff sitting in different like friends' houses yeah. or different things like that that I finally was like, give them to me. I now have space for my instruments. Right. So um, that was wonderful to be able to bring those along. And it, it definitely grew. And I don't... N- I think we're going to have to go back to downsizing if we're going to fly down to Oaxaca next year, which is our plan. You gonna be able to do that? I will have to. Only <laughs> one song and one ukulele. <laughs> right? Again. It's back to that. I'm gonna have to insist on two ukuleles because now I play a baritone and a soprano, which are actually two different, completely different instruments. So they have to both be there. Right. But I picked up the baritone. Oh gosh, this is. I'll tell this story only because I've told a lot of stories about how like I follow the thing and it it happens. Mm. Okay, and then sometimes it doesn't. So two weeks before. What Just would what we would know down, would be yeah. sh- like the world shutting mm-hmm. down. I walk into this um, music store and I've been looking for a baritone. I'd never played a baritone ukulele. It's tuned completely differently, but I really wanted to play one. And every store, I would walk into every music store and say, do you have a baritone ukulele? They're kind of obscure. So people would be like, no, no, no. I walk into this one. It's not that far from our house. And I'm like, do you have a baritone ukulele? This guy brings out the most beautiful baritone ukulele. It's like an inlay of abalone. It's just like, gorgeous 
and he tells me the price. It's not bad, but I'm like, let me just think on it. Even though it was beautiful. When we go back, they're shut down and they never oh, reopened again. Whoa. And so I was stuck for the next three months, like in our house with, it would have been so cool to have a new instrument to like play learn, with and yeah. learn. Especially during this time. It's during um, that time. And it was like, no, but I was like, that's the thing. Sometimes just like, if it's beautiful, if you're just like, it's gorgeous. Do you really, do I really have to think about it? Mm -hmm. Like when is that time that you're like, yeah, it's good to give time. And when is it like, I just have a knowing it really is annoying and just go for it and don't be afraid. So yeah. it's like, it's learning that. And I mm -hmm. think that this, this traveling and this living in the life this way gives me more energy and more attention to that process of mm -hmm. learning when to say yes and when to say no and not in an unkind way, but just being like, huh, well, that would have been nice to have that ukulele. Maybe just think about yeah. what you want to do differently next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time you find one, you'll yeah. be like, sold. I'm taking that. Yeah. And maybe the longing is good. You know, that's another way of making meaning of it. It's like, yeah. it's, it, for me to long for that ukulele then meant when it was in my hands, I was like, absolutely 100% sure I was so glad it was there with me. Yeah. I, I think this lifestyle has given all of us the opportunity to say yes and no to certain situations and also has allowed us to find the comfortability in the uncomfortable places and make us realize that no matter what we do in life, we can always find comfortability in it mm. and stability, you know, because a lot of people look at this lifestyle and see it as it's very unstable, but yet for us, it feels very stable. Yeah, you, you build the structures in it that work for you instead of kind of trying to force yourself into some other notion of stability, which might not be as stable as others uh, say it is. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is it's actually not stable. It just appears to be stable yeah, at any yeah. moment in time you're working that teacher job you're working whatever job you could get laid off like that and lose everything like that and i think know? at that moment you don't have the flexibility muscles and you don't mm -hmm. have the adaptability muscles and you haven't built this like foundation of like okay shit hits the fan i'm turning left you know yeah. yep. like you you just kind of get stuck and like you know that might be a wake-up call for some people that like you know okay I need to change. I need to do something different. I need to move. But a lot of people get stuck in that, you know, and it's blame and it's, oh, this person ruined my life or mm. whatever. But like, I feel like in, you know, the nomadic community, it's like, okay, one door closed, another, another one's going to open and I'm going to figure that out and I'm going to take this new path. It's like uh, when you play that, ga that game when you were a kid and it was like, one, two, three, red light, you know, and you would turn around. Imagine if somebody just stood there after the red light and you just frozen. <laughs> You know, like, and you can't move, you know, we, we have that ability to kind of adapt, you know, and, and figure out ways around it. You know, I just find it, I find it fascinating. So we are on our way South. You are on your way North. You've yes. just mentioned that you're not going to be taking the camper back to Mexico next year. Probably. So not. what is kind of like this next chapter of your life looking like? Well, we don't really know, right? <laughs> but we, we, but can, we can make some plans. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're, we want to head back to Oaxaca. Um, it just kind of keeps, it keeps pulling us in there. Yeah, uh, pulling to us. Yeah. And probably just kind of do another six months or so there. Uh, and then, uh, while we're there, you know, travel out from up, make it a home base, travel out from there, reconnect with some people. Uh, 
And I know for us, it's, wow, six months. That's a long plan. For other people, six months is, you know. A blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, for us, it feels like that's a very long-term plan, which, you know, everything's relative now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that, it's a very familiar place, and I, I have the sense that one of the things that was nice about being in the same place again this year was it's just those basic things. I'm sure you know. It's the basic things of, like, where do you go to the grocery store? Where do you, like, like if you know where those things are, you don't give your energy there. And since I am building a business right now of these different women's circles, of restorative yoga, of finding ways to help people rest and de-stress. She's also writing a musical. I don't and know And I'm if writing a musical that. as well. So I was like, I feel like it'll be really nice for us to be someplace for a while and really make that happen. And my goal for myself is that I can tour and bring the show to the United States next summer so um so it's like that that'll be where my energy is going more so than it has been in the past which is like just exploration which is beautiful as well and Mm -hmm. now it's like of course we still want to explore and travel and do all the things we love to do but having that home base in a place that we're familiar with will allow me to also put a lot of energy into that work as well i wonder i was just thinking maybe because you know that place so well and you love it so well maybe one of the retreats could be inviting people to come to you and you know host them in Oaxaca and like yes. show them around and show them this beautiful place that you've come to love yes oh, we, we, we've mentioned this yeah <laughs> several times we're like we love I mean we love when people visit us we love showing them around and when you were speaking at the very beginning of this I really was thinking about Dia los Muertos um, and that idea around death and to every year go and visit your loved ones and care for them and all of that but also when you see people there it's like every year you come into contact with death and that you know this is this one life we get to live Mm -hmm. which is so different from the way it is in the united states where it's like let's just pretend death doesn't exist let's like look the other way and when it does happen it just feels like this like awkward we can't talk about it all Mm -hmm. these different things not for everybody but for many people and it's one thing i really appreciate about the culture of mexico it's a celebration is that it's a celebration it's Mm -hmm. like this we're still connected Mm -hmm. it's this whole different way of looking at the cycle of life yeah that i really appreciate and i like being steeped in that energy mm-hmm. and it's really powerful in Oaxaca and we're mm-hmm. always inviting people like if we're going to be in Oaxaca for Day of the Dead come and like exper- have yeah. that experience yeah. Yeah. it sounds like something that we should experience ourselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah when is uh, Day of the Dead it's uh, uh, end of October beginning of November okay we might happen yeah. to be in that area again coming back north mm-hmm. from you know, who knows? Well, who knows? if should you it's find yourself there, it's everywhere. But I would say, yeah, it's all over Oaxaca Mexico. and um, right? and Pascuaro are like two places where it's really big, which is in Michoacan. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other places you can experience it, but like we were last year up in Ensenada for it, and it's mm-hmm. like there was some events, but it's mm-hmm. not the like. In Oaxaca, it's like five it's days yeah. Yeah, it really of never-ending celebration. So <laughs> with, costumes and, oh my and gosh, food just incredible! And, yeah. Yeah. So. It just takes over, and it's not just the Day of the Dead. It is really over a week's uh, worth of just ramping up, and then the celebration, which is two it's or three beautiful. days, and then kind of eases eases down. It's not this. It's it's a whole sort of season mm-hmm. of what many many americans might think is you know very macabre and you know we don't we don't want to shine this light on our mortality but uh we feel that it's this you're you're doing yourself a disservice if you ignore like the one thing that unites every person on the earth is we're here for a limited amount of time but 
we we can still remember those who've come before us yes. and kind of prepare our own psyche for mm-hmm. for that and it really allows you to appreciate life and what you do uh in the meantime so much more which i think gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this which is you know we you don't know what's going to happen with your life. You can make plans, but that's all they are. And uh, that recognition, that really gives you an appreciation of what's still around. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I think recognizing the fact that everybody in life, every single person that has, that has passed, right. Has shaped the world and the, the mindset of the people today, you know, like it's, it's really, we really are a collective conscious, you know, that we don't understand yet, you know, but if we all have these better thoughts and we all have these, you know, positive feelings, then the collective conscious will become more positive, Mm. you know, and it's kind of crazy to say, but it just becomes more and more relevant. And, you know, I do think that collectively we are more positive and more, uh, we want good interaction with others. We want all the same things. We want to show people that the place that we live is beautiful and the, or the lifestyle we live is beautiful. We, we really do as a whole group. It's just the little things in between that sprinkle in that are, you know, that pull us apart, mm-hmm. you know, that we need to kind of realize that they're not as big of a deal yeah. and, and see the full picture more. Yeah, we all have a lot more in common than we have differences. Yeah. And that's one thing that, travel really teaches anyone who's paying attention is we might speak different languages we might make different food we might live in a thousand different ways but those are just the details yeah 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 everybody just wants to be safe everybody just wants to be happy everybody just wants to love the people that they love Mm -hmm. and live you know a beautiful life and i think that by traveling that we're all kind of getting that and also going back to the beginning of the conversation, when you were talking about, you know, your cancer treatment and the partners, some of them are on board and some of them aren't. It's like that willingness to face death together or am I going to turn away from it and ignore it and pretend that it's not happening? And, and like, like just let's just get back to like our normal life because I can't handle this. Yeah. So like the Day of the Dead, like I think would help people in kind of like moving towards this understanding of like, you know. We all only get as much as we get, mm-hmm. and we got to make every day count. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if some of those days are quiet and peaceful. <laughs> yes. And laying in a bed for a while. Yeah. We've all done it. I've definitely been there. Yeah. Not in the same situation, obviously, <laughs> but, yes. but definitely something different. That I've I've been there. I've laid in a bed for a week long. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know. But that's just the ebb and flow of life in general. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. ha- so happens that you're doing it inside of a vehicle, or you know, with a backpack, or. Yeah. Nomadically. I think the more you look around at the environment, the environment does it too. Like tides, right? They're they're high, Mm -hmm. they're low, and you have these moments in your life where you have tides. You have very high points where you're having tons of growth and like huge experience changes, and then you have these lulls where you feel like nothing is moving forward, where nothing is. And then, you know, it was like what you were talking about with the cycle of the moon, right? Mm -hmm. You have the same thing with the cycle of the moon, and by being so... um, in tune and yeah in tuned with that and making sure that your life evolves kind of like evolves with it you know i think that's a beautiful thing uh that we were talking about just earlier before the podcast yeah Uh, yeah and i think that that quiet dark time the when you're when you're in bedtime it isn't really 
held up in our culture and society as a norm or mm-hmm. something that's an important part of that process. Mm-hmm. But I think that quiet, dark rest that like, hopefully you don't have to get, you know, traumatized to do it. Like just yeah. take the rest mm-hmm. because I always find that something starts to spark or something changes or something happens after I take the time to get quiet and rest with myself. And so, um, but not a lot of people will encourage, like, just don't do anything for a while, Mm -hmm. for just a little while to see what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? And I think that that is something that we're missing in the larger over culture that, that you have more opportunity for if you have, flexible mm-hmm. lifestyle yeah. well i think the way that our culture is set up is that it's always do more be more gain more earn more like if you look at like quarterly earnings of the stock market and blah 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 <laughs> if you didn't make more money this quarter than you did last quarter you're a loser even though you still made millions of dollars it, yeah. d- it like it doesn't but, make sense but what if you stopped for a bit took stock of it listened to yourself in the long run you know, th- new things can come out. It's, it's you got to kind of step back to to see the whole picture mm-hmm. so many times, and things will present that you can't see while you're in it. I mean, that's uh, before we started traveling, we were so in it that we didn't really we we didn't grasp the bigger picture of you know, there's so much we got just by stepping back and slowing down and setting our own pace. It's amazing how fast 15 years happens. Oh yeah. Blink of an eye. Yeah. 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 One thing I try to do whenever we're at like events or around a lot of people and say everybody's like having a good time, I always try to step back behind everybody and just like take a look mm. and notice like the love and the peace and that and like and you know, all these people don't even know each other, but I'm I'm sitting there like watching them all love each other. Mm. Even though they don't know each other. You know, and it's I find that to be so incredibly warming, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so if to, to kind of wrap up the conversation, uh, if there are people getting on the road or trying to live a different lifestyle, what's some like advice that you could give to them that has worked for you? Hmm. Well, everyone's going to be so different, right? And they're all looking for different things. So I guess I don't have, I, I've, I could have practical advice that works for us, but I just say, be be open be open to failing be open to learning from that uh and don't 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 worry about the details because they'll fall into place as it goes along if, as long as you're paying attention mm-hmm. I, mm. I feel like i could go two ways with this as well <laughs> very practical advice um I was just going to say, when we talked about this last night, I was like, if you can, if you do decide you want to rent something, do it on the ground, <laughs> like go up to people and ask or look for signs. That's my practical thing is like, if you, it, you know, you really can get some good deals, especially if you're used to rents in the United States and you're in other countries, there's, there's easeful ways that like, which I like, I, I like that our life now I do feel less stress about money, even though we were making more money before the cost of living in Boston was so high and like everything cost so much that it was like this constant, you know, like, do we have enough? And I know I'm like, we need very little to have enough. And then everything that's on top of that is like icing on the cake, which is great. But there's, I can feel a sense of enoughness mm-hmm. instead of a sense of constantly scarcity, mm-hmm. which I had in my previous life. So, um, find a way to live your life where 
you know when you've reached enough and you can feel like there's enough in your life instead of always feeling like you never have enough. I mean, that's a, an exhausting way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how like 90% of it's people the live. Norm. And that's why yeah. people are exhausted. Yes. People are so exhausted. That's why when they get home, they have no time for anything else. They have no energy for anything else. Yeah. You know, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier is that we only have so much energy in us and you know, when you spread yourself so thin, especially when you're committing yourself to something that's not even yours, right? And you spend all your energy on something else that's not yours, your life isn't gonna be as fulfilling. You know, you're you're not gonna to get to that next step, you know, of like what your goal might be of, of actual life. Yeah. So just take that all into consideration. We're not saying make any drastic changes tomorrow, but we're saying Take little steps at what you want to do and how you want to live. It will make your life a lot more happy. <laughs> or just sell everything and move into a van tomorrow. You know, whatever works for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But thank you all for listening. Thank you, too, for this wonderful conversation. It's been great. I, yeah, thank you. we really appreciate it. And we're so glad that Serendipity brought us together yeah. in this beautiful campsite in Mexico. <laughs> and if anybody wants to find you, we'll put your details in the show notes. Great. Um, Perfect. And if you can't find them in the show notes, just reach out to us on Instagram at well, FN Life. Maybe Greg's going to be doing our show notes now. And we hope that you all have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right. All that.